0: Welcome to The Neighbor Next Door, a podcast about the power and importance of neighboring. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson. And as usual, I am joined on the virtual front porch by my colleague and neighboring, Adam Barlow Thompson.
1: Hey, good neighbors, welcome to the Front Porch. We are excited to continue our um, series with Cormac Russell. This is part three. So if you haven't heard the first two episodes, you might wanna go back and catch those. Uh, basically we did an hour-long interview with Cormac Russell, who is a leading voice in asset-based community development. Recently released the book Rekindling Democracy, which Matt and I both read and fell in love with immediately. And we're like, <laughs> we've got to get this guy on the podcast. And so we did. And it was the, the content was so rich. That we've decided to break it up into several episodes and so that's why this is part three um and we will have a couple more even that we yeah. will do so yeah. so matt uh give us a little recap little little, little snippet of what happened before
0: <laughs> i mean that's easier said than done of course because it's it's such a rich interview um but yeah in the last episode cormac has has been unpacking kind of what is uh, the healthy role of institutions within communities? Um, and also exploring how uh, institutions can take on unhealthy roles uh, within neighborhoods and communities. And uh, so he's he puts forth this model um, and uses the illustration of three lanes, like three lanes on a highway uh, as a way of illustrating what, what healthy conversation needs to look like. So, uh, in the first lane is what communities can do. So what what can the folks in the neighborhood do, right? Uh, then in the second lane is the question of what citizens can do with institutions. So you- The word there is with. That's right, that's right. Uh, yeah, so you, you that's, this is the bridging lane, right? And then the third lane, is what institutions alone can do, right? Things that individuals, citizens, residents can't do. And you know, the big push for Cormac is institutions aren't bad, but institutional overreach is bad. <laughs> right, right. And we need the, the problem in our, our current way of strengthening our communities is we always start in the third lane We never ask the questions about the first lane and that's what needs to be happening. And so today's episode is just fantastic because he gives several stories to illustrate what it looks like if we start in the first lane and then move to the second lane. Uh, and it's really inspiring.
1: Yeah. So we're just going to play about 10 minutes of that interview, including our responses. Um, to that conversation. And so uh, we'll let Cormac kind of take it away by sharing some of these stories and then we'll come back at the end with a little bit of a closer.
2: I, I suppose the first thing to say is, is, as I share the first story that um, I'm kind of mindful that the story could be quite close to home for people. so. If if you've experienced somebody who has um, who has died as a result of COVID, I, I just want to express sympathy um, and solidarity with you. Um, and I hope this story is a story of hope rather than re- resurfacing trauma. But we've done to our you know great privilege really. We've done some work alongside a hospice in strathcaron uh, in Scotland, where the hospice. Have really been interested in this question of how do you bring death and dying back to the community as something we do together uh, um, you know and it really it's been very inspiring to me to watch the decisions that they've made uh, and to see how they've kind of shown up in neighborhood life one of the things that they they said very early on in our work is you know that at end of life the story shouldn't be well the hospice is you know the, the a house on the hill that people go to end their life. The story should be as a community. Hospice is a movement, and it's a movement that enables people to die with dignity and to live well right to the end of life. And this came into very stark view, I think, in in March and April and May of this year uh, with COVID nineteen. At that time we were in europe becoming really aware of some of the instances of uh, folks dying in their home and not being found for quite some time in spain and to a lesser extent uh, in italy um, and the hospice stratgar and hospice really took this very brave move and and sensible move i think to say let's employ community builders who work in the four villages where most folks would come to seek our support and let's support the neighbors around these folks and them themselves to really think about how we might do death and suffering together, you know? And uh, so really shifting the idea that death is something that is serviced to death is something that is experienced within the community, Uh, but recognizing it can be scary. So again, the three lanes, you know so yet there are a whole set of things that we can do around death but if we feel that we're not credentialed to do them you know or there's a place that you go to do dying well then the likelihood is is it's not so much that we're we actually are de facto incompetent but it's almost like the um the ugly duckling you know we can we 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 are uh we are swans but but we think of ourselves differently and we're defined differently so what's really powerful there is when somebody with convening power and maybe with some credentialism says no but actually you're a swan and in all kinds of ways if you organized you could be death doulas for your neighbors and then suddenly there's this moment in time that says and if you don't nobody else will you are the first responders the last responders, actually. So in a sense, those two things coming together highlight this first lane. And a a less kind of um, perhaps upsetting, um, or maybe upsetting is the wrong term, but less intense example is the fact that uh, many schools around the world at that same time closed down, and our kids came home, and we ended up taking on the function of teaching them. Now, a moment's thought would say, of course parents are the primary uh, teachers of their children but so often we don't think like that actually and that isn't the message that we we give each other or that maybe even teachers give parents so we were reminded again that the primary educators of children are actually parents and not just parents you know grandparents the neighbors productive adults um the same with health you know so we often think that health is in the hands of a doctor or a hospital but again what have we, we've been reminded that 85% of what determines our health and well-being has nothing got to do with pharmacology or professional intervention it's got to do with community um, and and so that first lane is critical now there are of course uh, limits to local so i'm not suggesting we all kind of just pack up our tent and you know go native and that's that kind of go off grid um there are there are things that outside actors can do to really enhance or supplement those capacities so that's the second lane right so what what are those things well the answer is i don't know until i know what's in the first lane. Um, and the likelihood is if i leapfrog over the first lane um, i will end up with something that started in 1965 as a movement called the hospice movement becoming a small little cottage that's built on the hospital grounds where people go to die so you see how quickly you you end up in mission creep you know and 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 i could give you illustrations of this uh, right across the board we not all that long ago in human history I mean, like literally a few decades ago, we all had what we would have called the village doctor, right? Or the neighborhood doctor. And that's pretty much gone now. Okay, we can have doctors' surgeries or primary care centers in the neighborhood. But there, aside from the accident of geography by location on the map, there isn't a real sense that they are the village doctor, the neighborhood doctor that would have been in play even right up to 1970s, the end of the 1970s. So Thatcherism and Reaganism literally eviscerated that place-based way of doing business and replaced it with a placeless or what I call a rootless way of doing business. And the net result of this is profound. What that means is we default, we start and finish on the third lane all of the time. That's where the conversation is stuck. What can we do for you, to you, maybe with you? But essentially, it's we, and we means the expert, the professional, the credentialed person. And we call that customer care you know we even call that being democratic so we talk about so the liberal left of which i consider myself to be a a card carrying member to a point um there's a kind of a scale past which i go you know you keep going i'm not i'm not joining you on this one um where i think the definition of equity the definition of equality certainly is access to my service you know how well can i ask that third lane question and the idea of the first two lanes is considered parochial and maybe a little bit uh, kind of communitarian, um, certainly naive. And um, so so I think that the dial might be reset on that a little bit uh, during uh, the pandemic and um, we'll see how that lands. But it's very hard and it's dangerous, I think, to talk about any one of these lanes. Um, but when you start talking about the coherence of the three lane highway, as I call it, um, and you start realizing that in all kinds of ways that people are swerving over lanes without indicating there's uh, a whole lot of spaghetti junction stuff going on at times. And sometimes we as citizens are actually re, uh, you know, I suppose, feeding into it, uh, without, without intending harm, where we actually begin to buy into the story. Yeah, and I i mean, that whole
1: story of the hospice and like, it's no wonder we don't understand end of life and we're terrified of illness and, and death when we've segregated it off to this little space that we go to at the end. Uh, it's so different when you walk with somebody through it, it changes your relationship to death as well. And that we miss that if we're not in community in that way.
2: That's right, that's right. I agree and and it changes your relationship to life too doesn't it so you know when you when you begin to understand the um the life you know is a terminal condition um you begin to start to see the world as it is and I I think that's powerfully liberating um you know and and quite humanizing actually
0: Uh, so yeah Adam I think we could pretty safely call that a mic drop moment yeah
1: yeah I was trying to make this like nice wise point and then and Cormac's like yeah let me just put a little fine finer tip on that point for you there <laughs> yeah pretty pretty great
0: yeah yeah um, and again I, I just I think the whole the whole this whole segment I, I just I, I think it's really inspiring because it, it casts a vision of what we could be moving towards in, in multiple areas of our life, right? Like he uses the example of the hospice movement and, and then the education movement and or education system. And, but I can see how this could reach out and, and impact all of our communities and all the different institutions that we interact with, which is, really a beautiful and hopeful thought to me
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah i think that's why we love his book so much is because it does lay the groundwork for deep deep change across many sectors of our lives
0: yeah yeah so i mean i feel like we need to just end there uh and and we need to just all go out into the world and start asking those first lane questions so you know so let's let's just wrap this up
1: (laughs) absolutely we've said enough
0: (laughs) (laughs) so so friends thank you for uh listening to this podcast to this episode and um you know hope that hope that you're finding hope and encouragement and also some practical action to take Uh, from from what Cormac has shared with us. Uh, As we end today's episode, I want to give a shout out uh, to Jenna, who does an amazing job editing these episodes. Uh, Adam and I are throwing her some just a lot of work right now, and she's just doing a great job with it. So thank you, Jenna. Um, And uh, I think that's it. To learn more about our work, you can visit our website www.neighboringmovement.org and uh, until next time happy neighboring and happy neighboring